Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, March 19, 2017. The share IDs for Friday, March 17th, the 7 a.m. Eastern meeting, 9733, and the 10 a.m. Eastern meeting, 9736. Today, A Vision for You presents our side of the street, the amends process. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. And step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Steps one through three put us in the right relationship with our higher power, a relationship where now our higher power, not us, is to be the director. Steps four through seven put us in the right relationship with ourselves. In steps four through seven, we can see what blocks us from our higher power. However, now we need more action, without which we find that faith without works is dead. The taking of these action steps does something to eliminate character defects or shortcomings from our personality. Now we're ready for steps eight and nine, both of which give us an opportunity to live in harmony with our fellow human beings. They give us the chance to set things right with other people and to get rid of the fear, guilt, remorse, and shame that we might have felt in the past. These are the action steps which actually bring us recovery from compulsive overeating. They are steps which allow us to become different people recovered people. The big book's instructions are simple. First, we make a list of people we had harmed and figure out what harm we've done them. We made that list, the big book says, when we took inventory. Then we make those amends unless to do so would injure them or others. We are prepared to sweep off our side of the street. Joining us this morning are four recovered compulsive overeaters who will be sharing their experience with the amends process. This morning we have Elaine B. from Massachusetts, Melanie C. from Oregon, Nancy R. who resides in Indiana, and Judy F. from Massachusetts. So let's get started with our first panelist, Elaine B. Thank you very much for the opportunity to serve, Leah. Excuse me, this is Elaine B. Recovered in Massachusetts. I do have a bit of a laryngitis here, so I hope you can hear me okay. I apologize. Um, so the 12 and 12 says about step 9 on page 87. It says, readiness to take the full consequences of our past acts and to take responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time is the very spirit of step nine. You mean it's not all about me? <laughs> you know, I recall the first time I went through the steps, it was really in a checklist kind of process with a group of um, people that were advised not to get sponsors to lead them through the work because they'd be so focused on what uh, what the the people they were sponsoring was doing that uh, I, it was crazy it was crazy when I got to step nine 
first of all, I didn't learn much, but one thing I did learn is that I had made a, a, a mess in my past and that I needed to clean things up, but that I was not ready to do it. And so um, what I knew was that I needed help beyond myself. And it was really several years before uh, the gift of desperation drew me into the room of vision for you and I and I got help beyond myself um, from a sponsor which cleared some wreckage between my higher power and I. And now with that combination of what I've learned in the big book, higher power, my sponsor, and then what my sponsor did at this stage of the game Man, I really wasn't ready for it, and I didn't like it, but it was one of the most helpful things. As we go through the big book and we read the instructions about step nine, um, it talks about that we um, we need to ask for help. We, you know, there are many situations in the big book where it talked about, um, you know, the guy wasn't paying his. Uh, paying his alimony to his wife and he was ready to go to jail for it. That'd be fine. I'll do it, you know. And But if he did that and he was thrown in jail, um, he wouldn't have any money to pay for his own family, never mind his wife. And so he brought uh, his situation to the wisdom of the rooms. And my sponsor very wisely said, okay, as we've done this work, you've you've made your list of people that you've harmed. You did that in step four. You saw the harm that you've done. I also did that in step four, the wreckage of my past. But there were other things that maybe didn't show up on my step four um, and uh, that I I could add to that list. I saw my behaviors and my actions that that were not okay. And... um, and I needed to to take that out into the room. She said, "Go and call a few people. You know, work up your amends. Here's the formula. Um, admit that uh, that you know you have come aware that you you need to clean up your side of the street um, in order to recover from a deadly disease um, from your compulsive overeating. That you really regret your harm done." that um, you, with God's help, you will no longer continue behaving this way. And it was a quick formula, an easy formula. Some of the best advice I remember um, getting was to write it out and just keep it simple, keep it simple. Um, and so I did that, and I got a lot of advice, and I contacted a lot of people. She asked me to speak to three people for each and every amends, including her, and before I would go out and do any amends. And boy, I'll tell you what, that felt a lot better than checking off a bunch of names on a li- uh, check boxes on a list and filling in some blanks, and um, and then going face to face with these people. And so. I'm extraordinarily grateful for that, and I'm also extraordinarily grateful for the fellowship that began to rise up around me as I was no longer making calls about the food or about what was happening that day or um, 
whatever, uh, my trust and reliance getting into the big book with my sponsor had grown deep, but she did not want my trust and reliance to be on her alone. My trust and reliance needed to be on my higher power, and it needed to be on my fellows, and it needed to be in the instructions in this book and living them all out one day at a time. And so um, I began to build a network that would later become my Step 10 network. And uh, that was really, really great. So the first wonderful thing that I just really wanted to point out is the help beyond myself. The help beyond myself to make amends, to change, to go make right the wrongs, to clean up my side of the street, whether they can receive it and accept it on the other side of the street or not, that doesn't matter. It's water under the dam. The second thing that I really learned and gained out of this is that my real purpose, what is my real fit, my, my real purpose? It's on page 77 in the big book. It's, it's that I fit myself for maximum service to God and the people about me. And so, you know, some quick apology is not really going to be enough to do that. People are going to want an, a demonstration of a change of my life. And um, really, part of this is my amends to God where I say, listen, I'm taking off my director's hat, I'm taking off my know-it-all hat, I'm taking off my I know what's best for everybody and every time and every circumstance, and I'm going to stop trying to run the show. I'm going to humble myself before you and ask for you to take charge of my life, for you to help me become who you want me to be. Because all of the wreckage in my past is because of my self-will run riot and all the ways I've tried to manage life to get what I want. And I've stepped on the toes of my fellows and they've retaliated. And um, so as I did my work, what I saw was the who I had harmed and and how I had harmed them. And um, I don't know if anybody listening is anything like me, but there were some constant repeating things there that I could see over and over and over again. You know, it was driven by fear. And um, so I needed to begin to practice, as my sponsor said, practice, practice, practice the opposite. So the opposite of fear is faith. Um, people pleasing all over the place and the and the contortions that I would do in order to make you like me because I thought if I could get in your head, figure out what you wanted, then I would be okay. And I needed to learn to please God. And um instead of being full of, of pride and ego, I needed to be humble and to humble myself before God. And, um, and before people, and that was even harder. <laughs> and so um, I began to understand what the work was that I was doing, that it wasn't all over when I gave my fifth step away, that it wasn't all over when I asked God to remove it, that this was going to be an ongoing process that I needed to do. So not only did I have to shape and create uh, an amends that I could go directly to people, <clears throat> And, um, and, and let them know how much I regret having harmed them and that I was aware of it and that I didn't want to harm them anymore. But I needed to really work at discontinuing that behavior with God's help, practicing it every day. And I continue to practice that every day in several ways. 
um, you know, I was given a really good prayer uh, for the family. Um, and it's pulled out of the big book, pages 82 and 83, each in paragraph one. And it says, God, please help me keep my spouse's happiness uppermost in my mind as I try with your grace to make this relationship right. Please show me how to find the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love in my heart and soul. Please show me how to demonstrate these principles to my family and all those about me. The other thing in the 12 and 12 is the uh, prayer of St. Francis. And um, that, again, is just a reflection of the opposite. So um, I ended up taking a whole list of my constant character defects that were showing up in all of these amends and asked God to help me every day act the opposite. But there's one area of this uh, prayer that really got to me. It says, um, oh, divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. Once again, it all comes down to it is not about me. How can I be of service to you? How can I be of service to you, God, and you others? You know, I found that there are some amends that, um, you know, that we can't fully write. But again, this is our side of the street. I just came from a visit uh, to my family, and I had made an amends to my niece um, some time ago um, about something that I had done, and I was wrong, and I admitted my wrong. But she was not able to accept it at all, and she wouldn't talk to me. And I could see myself getting to the place of wanting to be understood of wanting to be consoled, of wanting to feel better, you know, but she's hurting. She's hurting and she can't forgive me and I need to accept that. It's more important that I be loving. It's more important that I be understanding. It's so much more important that I be patient, tolerant, loving, and kind. So rather than needing to get from her, I was able to give her space and grace. And now all the more, I know she needs prayer. She needs prayer. And um, so, uh, um, you know, I love page 100. The page 100 promises that if we follow the dictates of a power greater than ourselves, we will, um, uh, I'm not quoting it right, I'm just going to go to page 100, and the page 100 promise. Um, Both you and the new man, excuse me, must walk day by day in the path of spiritual progress. If you persist, remarkable things will happen. When we look back, we realize that things which came to us when we put ourselves in God's hands were better than anything we could have planned. Follow the dictates of a higher power and you will presently live in a new and wonderful world no matter what your present circumstances. This is, um, this is where I have to go every day. Um, but especially in the amends process, the scary amends where, you know, I have to totally, utterly abandon the outcome to God. What if it doesn't go my way? What if I don't get what I want out of this? Well, that's not what, that's not what this is about anymore. And if I follow the dictates of a higher power, perhaps someday my niece will be um, back in relationship with me. 
But either way, I don't regret the past, and I don't want to shut the door on it. Um, I got invited to a, a high school reunion, and um, I graduated a year early, so I shouldn't have been invited to this reunion. I never get invited to reunions because I'm not in either class, really. And um, a woman came to mind that had never come to mind before in any of my work, and I thought, I'm going to go to this reunion because I owe this woman amends. Um, I had another event that night. I got there late. We got lost on the way. It was like 1030. Um, but I went to the reunion and I walked in and I went to the back of the room and there was a woman sitting alone at a table. And and it was the woman I needed to make an amends to. I asked if her name was Anita and she said yes. And I said, I'm here for you. And I made my amends. And it was <clears throat> really beautiful. She said I didn't know her amends. And then we sat for a moment and she began to open up about her life. And she said, this is the first time I've done this. She pulled out her cell phone and she said, I want to show you the joys of my life. And she showed me her, uh, pictures of her grandkids. And, you know, that was a maximum service to her from being alone at a table to pulling out her cell phone because somebody cared about her. And, um, you know, that made me feel better than anything else. So I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to share my experience with this step and look forward to hearing our next speakers. Thank you very much, Elaine B. Now I welcome Melanie C. Hi, good morning, everyone. My name is Melanie C., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I am very grateful today, and most especially because of Step 8 and 9. So I just wanted to, to mention the steps again, recap it again. Step eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. And that's what I would like to try to bring to light today with hopefully the words that will illustrate that and my experience today. It was such a profound experience, I'm not sure that I can convey it, but direct amends is what worked for this woman. So I'd like to set this up a bit. I started out on my journey, the 12 steps, and I'm going to go through the steps one at a time. And at step one, admitting I am powerless, and I learned that entire abstinence from my food allergens are a must need in order to have a clear mind so that the rest of the steps can restore me to right thinking and right living. I sunk to some all-time low places in order to accommodate the demands of this disease. I can no longer care about you at all. Why? Because it got in my way. I haltingly move along step five, four, and five, for it was not an easy thing to realize just exactly what I did to satisfy these demands. What behavior and beliefs that I had to justify? It was ego protection for me, ego protection kind of like that edging God out protection, not a good plan. It calcifies even the hardened soul, which my heart had been, so, had been hardened so badly. Demands of the world around me on my terms twisted all my relationships. I, my personality became so unattractive. Page 53 of the AA 12 and 12 describes me perfectly. If you want to give that a read. My suffering became acute and constant. Albeit self-inflicted, at step four, I am now at the place to have God revealed to me where I can never think of another's hurt or pain outside of my own unless something changes and changes deeply. 
on page 65 and 66, the big book says, that's as far as I would ever get, though. They wronged me. I got sore. I filled with hatred and rage. I administered control and payback unless certain things happened. If I did not surrender completely, I would return. All the entire abstinence and the working of steps one through seven were critical to to do, but none were sufficient enough to bring about that recovery. Step nine had to be finished. Steps eight and nine are naturally a byproduct of having excavated such a cesspool in step four. All of the people that I'd harmed in that state of entire self-centeredness, kind of narcissism, if you will, are now brought forward into steps eight and nine. You will find the directions beautifully lined out in the big book on pages 76 through 84 and the 12 and 12 of Alcoholics Anonymous on pages 77 through 82 if you want to give that a read. These pages go into great detail on precisely what I will need to do with the newfound knowledge of self so that I might develop the best possible relation with every human being that I know. My social life, my living securely in this world, my instincts to do so will all be in harmony with the way you search out your way in the spiritual world. Eight and nine are connected, I'm sorry, eight and nine are concerned with personal relations with the world around me. They rightly connect me to the world. I had clearly missed that part of living. I was absolutely detached. The list from step four was quite a carryover. I now knew that I had done real harm, and I felt badly about that. However, agreeing to make amends on certain harms took some doing. How can just holding a grudge be harmful to anyone? How can exercising my right to not like someone or something be harmful? How can being there for another person no matter what, telling them how to run their life be harmful? How can discussing one person with another person be harmful? These seem to be such small matters. And how can doing the right thing, but believing and thinking another way, which is harmful, how can that be something that goes on this ninth step? The process of working step eight and nine brought me to my knees, awakening these things. I read about it so clearly in step eight. The outline of these steps precisely executed truly was required, though, if a psychic change were to happen. Nothing less would have cracked open the only way I was or could view the world. Of its own, my bitterness, my hatred, my revenge, and loneliness and pride were impenetrable. I had, it had to be executed to the last detail the way the directions were lined out. Direct amends wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. That means face-to-face as far as I could see. I would like to get to this being truly this, the focus of step nine for my, my sharing today, which I already mentioned. Um, step eight took me deeper to looking at my motives that let me, left me just justifying behavior. But first, here's the, the outline process that I was taught before I would ever walk out the door to make these face-to-face amends. I listed all the harms. And by the way, I want to share here that the names that were on my step four were one thing, and that was quite lengthy. But there were several more that I found that I was not resentful at that needed to be added to my list. And they were added there 
because of the harm that I did because I was just simply a bully. Then I wrote out each one of those amends on a piece of paper. I needed to be real sure that I only spoke of my harm to them, the specific harm done, and then full responsibility for that harm, that the behavior came from within me, the person that I had become. Anything that they might have done did not cause me to do anything. This was something that was inside. This harmful act came out of who I had become personally. I would admit completely what it was that I do to do harm out of that hardened heart of mine and the deep regret in having done so and what action that I would be taking to not repeat that behavior. And from that point forward, those people and that situation and that character defect would go on a prayer list daily for me on my knees with focus on page 552 and 417 until a change through my higher power had permission in my life to to do something different. I talked this all over with my sponsor and she gave me feedback. Then I was ready to locate these people to meet face-to-face, face-to-face with everyone. Well, aren't there cases where this is impossible? Yes, but rarely is there a case where someone somehow, somewhere isn't available to look in the eye. Well, you might ask, What if I'm many miles away? What if the person no longer lives? What if the business is no longer in operation? What if the whole town comes up against me? What if in doing so I bring up memories of things long since forgotten? What if I might be harmed or triggered or something like that? I would not have had the personality change if any of these things got in my way and if I had not made every effort possible to get to that direct amends. My God and the sponsor that held my feet to the fire until my blistered feet scarred over had to be really big in some of these cases, and they showed up for me. I said things like, well, I tried, and they did not return my call. I tried, and I could not find them in my searches of social media, phone books, and old records and the like. I've done enough amends, haven't I? For goodness sakes, I've done 60 of them so far. That should be enough, right? I get the point. I get the point already. I suppose that in this world we live in, there are exceptions to rules, but in the work of step eight and nine, these are very dangerous exceptions to make. It could mean the risk of not getting that psychic change, that personality change, oh my goodness, the reordering of the brain sufficient enough to bring about recovery, I needed these things. That horrible, awful, ugly place of settling for less than what the big book promises, I've lived there. And until I knew the difference, I could not stand before you passionately today speaking directly to you about the must of direct amends. I've experienced something profoundly different now, the spiritual transformation of face-to-face amends. The spiritual transformation. Now, don't get me wrong. I made face-to-face amends in the past, but if there was an obstacle, um, then an alternative for me was quickly employed. I had innocently reduced the importance of this point of step nine, face-to-face amends. I had no idea that it was a, that it was a totally spiritual, charged, psychic thing and happened only during that encounter. I hadn't had anything like this experience before. What with modern technology, sending off a text or an email or snail mail or making that phone call, 
being so widely accepted as a true form of communication and intimacy nowadays as a way to say I'm sorry turns out to be a far less to, turns out to be far less than what the big book meant when they said direct amends it's in the eye to eye encounter that the mind is transformed before this experience i might say that i I might say that I wondered sometimes if this was all there is, if this is the best that recovery was going to offer to me. And I continued to feel the emptiness inside. Something was not quite right from before, and I missed it. I couldn't identify it. I simply couldn't see it, and I was settled in to say this was going to be good, perhaps good enough. I didn't know. But this time around, something Actually, this time around, someone held me to the distance, a deeper standard of ego and deflation. What came to me could only have happened in this way. It had to be this idea of going to any length. It had to be face-to-face. Page 76, paragraph 3, reminds me very directly and in very expensive italics, quote, remember it was agreed at the beginning we would go to any length for, rec- for victory over alcohol, end quote. Thank God for the sponsor that had been around the block several times and her experiencing miracle after miracle that would otherwise not come without making direct amends. The point is the essential requirement of step nine, which is a precursor to the miracle of this addict's transformation, was direct amends. It's interesting to note that the more difficult it was for me to get to that face-to-face amends, especially if it was inconvenient for Melanie or extremely challenging for Melanie, brought about the greatest transformation. Let's run one of these down. This is hard. I had harmed a tiny thing 50 years ago, and I vaguely remember doing so. The intel that I had in which to track this down was the town and area of the town only. After my sponsor and I exhausted all that that I could to locating anything or any information, matter of fact, training for the FBI Academy was less difficult. I opted to make a financial amends to an agency of similar care and tell them my story. I looked into the eyes of this woman, weary from being of service to children and families. I could see that her life was completely dedicated to the cause with little pay and increased in need. My heart cracked open from what I had done to harm the situation. And she and I cried together, and she was changed forever as well. Another situation, I did not finish paying a bill 39 years ago. Then the door seemed closed because the business had been so far away that I had to go to it and learn that it was actually defunct. Sponsor and I determined a financial restitution to a similar organization was an, as a um, nonprofit to assist folks that were unable to get this kind of medical equipment filled the bill. I contacted the director of that agency, made an appointment to see her, sat down, made the direct amends, handed her the cash, and albeit plus interest and the cost of living increase for 39 years had to be done. She had no idea why I was there, what I was doing, but was gracious and moved so deeply that it turns out that this experience completely changed her as well. I felt to my bone what it was like to need medical equipment so badly and no resources but for the generosity of others. In a situation where a fellow was deceased, 
I was able to arrange to share what this person meant to me so deeply and what harm I ended up doing to him. And I was able to do it publicly. I felt the darkness lift in my heart, open to humanity. Paying it forward is what many of these came to be like. I was never to sit by and do nothing. There's always a way to put myself before another human being and look directly into their eyes. That's where the miracle happens. The most profound for me, this is the most profound for me, was the face-to-face amends that I made to a person with a sickness of pedophilia. A lot of work had to be done around this one. I was convinced that he had done much more harm. That my behavior around this was justified. But people, be careful of this trap. I was a nervous wreck. That was quite a, uh, there was quite a bit of kickback on my part. I resisted strongly. This single experience turned around a woman, me, so jaded, jaded and hardened by life's long misery that I soon knew the full implication of face-to-face amends. In step nine, the promises of a new life and bright beginnings. This man that I deemed so horrible, God-awful, things that I had done, and much more him to blame as I had determined, this man became human. What is this but a miracle of this step? I did not get, I did not get that by sending a letter or making a phone call. And I could tell you much more about that experience, but I won't for now. I believe my whole heart, with my whole heart that I was changed by looking another person in the eye and to see the hurt that really lingers there in each one of us, hurt that I caused in this situation. And I had to be there. I had to see the eyes of that soul. I had to look at it in order to be transformed. And that transformation occurred. Like I said, I had gone through this step both ways. And now I know what I was missing and I cheated myself of. The exciting thing is that I teach my sponsees the same thing in the same way that I was taught taught out of the big book. We work out solutions together and blow through reasons why it's far too expensive or far too far or the like. We go to any length to hunt down, track down, and get in front of these, in front of those that we have hurt and who are hurt. Oh, I get resistance. I get kicked back too. Matter of fact, I wasn't sure if it would be, I would be sponsorless by the next day oftentimes. But you know what? Those same people came back lifted, light-heartened, almost redeemed, praising the process of, with full gratitude for a sponsor that would hold their feet to that flame. I could because someone did this for me. Dr. Bob, I mean, this might be a far stretch, but, but Dr. Bob was a role model for this step, you know. In some ways, the Fellowship of AA might have hinged on it, I suppose. Dr. Bob made his amends directly that night and never took another drink again. He was reborn. I, too, was reborn. Actually, I like to say I came to life that day. There was this snap, this clap, this pop, this white light, this clarity that I, had hardly, I could hardly even describe to you here. I just know that it was 
from another place, another dimension, and unlocked my heart. I just know what life and recovery was like before, and this past year, how it has, it has hands down been different. The only thing I can point to is the experience of looking into the eyes of another human being, making them human, admitting who and what I had become, the action that I intentionally had taken to spoil their life in some way for for personal momentary gain was confessed and forgiven. With that, I pass. Thank you very much, Melanie C. Now I introduce Nancy R. Hi, good morning. My name is Nancy R. I'm a grateful recover compulsive overeater. I'm grateful for this opportunity to share my experiences with Steps 8 and 9. On, on, uh, in the big book, on page 76, it says, let's look at step 8 and 9. So they are companion steps. Um, we've already done the work in uh, our inventory, so the list has already been done. And um, I, think, I, I think it's so very important to do this work with uh, someone with a sponsor or a spiritual guide who's familiar with the uh, amends process uh, because um, the first time I did it, I made a lot of mistakes. I I wrote down people and called people uh, whom I had bad feelings towards who had really done nothing to me. So um, I think it's really important to do this with a spiritual guide or a sponsor who's familiar with it. It also says that the key to doing this step uh, is willingness. You have to be willing to make the amends. And Bill Wilson states that uh, the freedom comes more from the willingness. In the 12 and 12, he states that freedom comes more from the willingness than from the actual doing of it. So uh, we're also taught that if we are not willing, we should pray. We must pray for the willingness to do it until it comes because we're told until we clean out, until we do the thorough house cleaning, we cannot receive the promises of the program. Uh, the big book gives examples of uh, three types of amends. The first is um, the direct amends, that's the eyeball to eyeball. Uh, the second one is restitution. And uh, there's a third example when the man stands up in church he gives a public um, uh, amends to a group of people willing to accept the consequences for doing that. The Big Book gives us specific examples of how to go about doing our amends. It says that we deal with the harms that we have done and um, we are there not to look at what the other person has done to us or how we feel about what the person has done to us. We are just there to clean up our sides of the streets. And it tells us that we don't grovel. We, uh, don't, we, don't, we don't have to show any excessive remorse. Uh, we have to be very straight and direct, tell the wrongs that we've done, and be willing to deal with the consequences because we are seeking freedom, and we have acknowledged that we're willing to go to any length to receive this freedom. Now, I've had some sponsors that tell me um, 
to divide your men's list into categories. Uh, start with the easiest. Uh, you have a category that says the ones you you can do later, uh, the maybe ones and the never ones. Uh, when I uh, work with the, with with uh, uh, the sponsor, when I really got into making two amends, I was put in a situation where I think my most difficult amends came up first. Uh, I became a principal of a school where I had been working for a lot of years, and it was very difficult uh, trying to supervise people that I had been colleagues with, and I had had a very difficult, um, a very painful misunderstanding with someone I had been friends with for many years. And then um, within a matter of uh, months, I became her supervisor. And I was going. I was working on a, uh, doing my, doing my uh, ninth step at that time, and I knew that this was an amend that I had to make. And uh, I called him into my office, and I uh, I did. I followed exactly what the big book said, and I expected her. I really expected her to acknowledge her wrongs. She never did. She just smiled and said, "Okay," and left. But the whole situation dissolved for me. I was able to go on, have a, a courteous relationship with her. And when I passed her in the hallway, I wasn't dodging her. I had no ill will. I had cleaned up my side of the street. I had been taught that the person's response was irrelevant. And I was there to clean up my side of the street. So we made direct uh, face-to-face amends to people. Uh, and I've done that, and uh, today I think I am in good standing with uh, all of my fellow men. There's uh, one person that I wrote a letter to them. They never returned the call. They never returned, so consequently I wasn't able to uh, get in touch with them. But today I'm willing. I'm willing if I if I ran into that person, I'm willing to just acknowledge my uh, the things that I did wrong and keep stepping. The next one, uh, restitution. You know, this program is so interesting. Um, the longer I stay in it, the longer um, my higher power brings up things, memories of things that I had forgotten. Uh, just recently, I had to make restitutions to uh, my uh, undergraduate school that I graduated from in 1967, a long time. And it was brought to my, uh, it just popped up that I hadn't paid a fee. I was getting ready to graduate, and I promised uh, this this professor that I would send the money in and never did. And uh, the gift that I received from this program is so precious, I'm willing to do anything to keep it. So I wrote a check, and I explained in the check to my to the institution what had happened, and I uh, sent the check in. I never received any acknowledgement or a letter saying, you know, what a wonderful thing you did, but they did cash the check. So that one is, I can check that one off. Um, another restitution that um, uh, I recently made, this happened when I was 19, uh, 18 or 19, I'm 72. And I remembered that I had stolen a pair of earrings from, with my friends. Uh, trying to prove to them that I was just as hip as they were. Uh, my father was a minister, and I was constantly teased about being a preacher's kid, about being Miss Goody Two-Shoes. So 
So I was going to show them that I was I was one of the gang, and I took a pair of earrings. So I I got I got a check, and I went to uh, the store that I took it from. It's been closed for years, but it's part of a chain. So I went to the uh, I got the check, talked with my sponsor. I looked I looked at inflation and how much approximated how much those earrings cost back when I was nineteen, and. Uh, I got a check from my sponsor, and I agreed about, uh, on the amount. And I took the check in and asked to speak to the manager. And the manager came, and I explained why I was there. He had this puzzled look on his face. And he, you know, he told me, I, I really don't know what I'm supposed to do with this. I'll have to call the corporate headquarters. And my response is, you know, I really don't care, sir, what they do with this. I just have to... Uh, um, do this. This is something I must do. So um, the face-to-face uh, amends, the restitution, and the taking of public consequences of things we will uh, do if we're willing to go to any length as the program states, as the big book states, that we're willing to go to any length to recover from this disease. Um, there are some amends we really cannot make, and we really have to run this by our sponsors because it's easy to say, well, I can't do that. But uh, if we're willing to go to uh, Andy Lentz on page 83, it discusses amends we can't make and promises us, us that if we are willing to make those amends, that that's good enough. Um, there are two basic rules for making the amends. The first uh, is that we uh, we must make them or else we will not recover. And the second is that we we we, we are sweeping outside of the streets. But is there any amends that we cannot make for uh, any specific reason? If the person is dead, or we really can't reach that person, and we tried all that we can, then uh, uh, we have to be at peace with that. I have to be at peace with that. Um, I can um, change my behavior because that's the purpose of it. That's the purpose of the men's process. It's part to help to help me to grow as a person. I can change my behavior, and I can uh, write a letter to the person, or I can, uh, you know, create a ritual or something. But I need to discuss this with the sponsor to make sure that I'm not hedging on it and uh, not trying to avoid doing it. I think the living's amends are very important, especially the people that we live with and that we have really done harm to. It's easy to say, you know, I'm really sorry for the way I treated you. But I think most importantly, it's important for us to change our behavior and how we treat them. On page um, 83 of 12 and 12, it says, this is so important when making amends that judgment and a careful sense of timing, courage, and persistence are the qualities we need uh, when we're taking the taking a nice step with somebody. I think it's important for me that I pray, and I always ask my higher power to show me how to do it. Show me how to do it, and it seems like my higher power always presented me at the right time, the right place to make that amends. So, again, uh, we have to use good judgment. 
in a sense of time, and you don't want to walk in on somebody and they're, and, you know, in a, in a tizzy about something, that might not be the, the best time to make that amends. But I think, um, um, you know, asking our higher power for help is so very important when we're doing these, to go to them and, uh, you know, uh, this is a part of our spiritual growth. So we go to them uh, in the manner that is outlined in the big book. We don't grovel. Our attitude is so very important. We don't grovel. We don't cry. And we don't beg. We don't beg for forgiveness. We simply, uh, it says we should be sensible, tactful, considerate, and humble. But it doesn't tell us that we have to be servile or scrappy. Uh, as God's people, and I love this, it says as God's people, we stand on our feet. We don't crawl before anybody. You know, I I made a mistake, but I'm not a mistake. So today I'm able to stand and look my fellow man in the eye. And uh, living in step 10 keeps me, keeps me there. If I make a mistake, I'm willing to admit it right on the spot, or if not on the spot, as soon as possible. There's some eight-step prayers also. It uh, tells us. Uh, God, give me the will to do this. The prayers are very clear. It tells us on page 79. Reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to the length we have to, this, to find a spiritual experience. We ask that we be given the strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences may be. We may lose our position, reputation, or face jail, but we must be willing. We have to be. So our prayer is clear. It says, God, give me the will to do this. God, please give me the strength and direction to do the right thing, no matter what the personal consequences might be. Um, we want to do this because we want the promises. I know when I found out what the promises were, and, and I was told that I had to do this in order to receive the promises of the program, I became willing I became willing to accept the consequences of my actions. Um, this whole um, process of making amends, of trying to, to uh, clear away the records of the past for me has been ongoing. Uh, things come up that I had forgotten about, like the two examples that I uh, mentioned um, I, things will probably come up again, but today um, I'm willing. I'm willing to go to any length. So step eight and nine was just the beginning, the beginning of the change of me developing true humility. Um, today, I the false pride that that I once had that made me want to always be right and to always know the answers. Uh, making, you know, this whole process has changed me. Uh, today, I don't, today I'll be the first to say I don't know, I'm sorry, or I made, I, I made a mistake. Some, you know, some, some amends are very complex. They're very complex. And some are simple. That's why, uh, again, the help of a sponsor is so important. 
we have to always be cognizant of whether or not our men will hurt, will do more harm than it will help. Again, um, talking with the sponsor will help give us those clear directions. Some people talk about a man for themselves. Now, uh, the big I, there's nowhere in the big book where I, where I have read about uh, making amends to ourselves. But I think I have certainly been helped by the process. I'm a different person. Uh, I've learned how to be honest. I've learned how to say no. Um, I work. Uh, I'm working on. Uh, Codependency that still carries the defect, not as much as I used to be. So I have, I have, my, I, I, I have definitely been helped through this process. Um, there were many worries that uh, I had about making them. You know how people were going to take them, and. Um, uh, you know, how people were going to treat me as a result of them. But today, uh, I've been free from that. I've been free. I've, I've received the promises of this program. And for anybody, uh, you know, newer than myself, for anybody who's um, pondering over this, I would just say, do it. Do it. Do it the way it's outlined. And the promises of the program will be yours. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy R. Our fourth panelist, Judy S. Good morning, Leah. Can I be heard? Very well. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. This is Judy S. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Uh, let me just set and uh, I want to thank all the, the uh, women that shared before me. Um, oh, I feel really humbled uh, to be here. So grateful, so grateful for the program of recovery. Uh, just to give you a quick uh, background, um, my abstinent date is July 29th, 1991, and um when I came in and hit my bottom and surrendered, um, I got right into the steps with the big book and with the 12 and 12. So um, the 12 and 12 is very dear to me, uh, giving it a little more depth to the directions in the big book, although those are my main directions. And um, in the beginning, it, it, it was, um, I went through the, uh, the steps quickly and and kind of got the big the big fish uh, and the real um, obvious amends um, with financial and in my family at the time um, and um, I was 27 then and I, I wasn't married but I did have a boyfriend and um, family members and then um, for about <clears throat> 10 years of working in the program, I did the steps um, pretty much yearly um, through the 12 and 12 and also the OA 12 and 12. And I got a little away from the um, the big book. And and just in looking back, um, there were things as, as an abstinent um, compulsive overeater um, recovered with a relationship with God. I was starting to play God more in, in my relationships and, and they weren't um, – 
there was disharmony with them and um and the I found that the um, page 52 devilments were coming true for me where I had fear of people. Um, my, um, I was overly sensitive and um, things at work weren't going. And um, so I came to um, an AA big book uh, meeting and found that I needed to do a thorough, go back through the steps out of the big book and do a thorough um, you know, back to a thorough inventory. And, and that's what I really appreciate about these steps, that we don't jump to step nine uh, when we get, you know, abstinent and clear-headed, that there is a process. And for me in the big book where <clears throat> what was really helpful in um, seeing my side of the street was um, on page 67, part of uh Step four, when a person offended, we said to ourselves, this is a sick man. How can I be helpful to him? God save me for being angry. Thy will be done. So as I was doing um, my turnarounds and looking at my selfishness, dishonesty, self-seeking behavior, and fear with each <clears throat> person on my list, I it was clear to me what my part was, even though they might have even done more um, harm to me. Um, that really drilled in over and over and over. I was always the common denominator and I could see my part. So when I got to step eight, um, it was easier. You know, I could see clearly um, in some cases, and I'm going to mention too, that I could not see where I was at fault. And I'm going to talk about that later. But what I appreciate in step eight on page 77 in the AA 12 and 12, in the beginning at the end of the first paragraph it starts we may develop the best possible relations with every human being we know this is a very large order it is a task which we may perform with increasing skill but never really finish learning how to live in the greatest peace partnership and brotherhood with all men and women of whatever description is a moving and fascinating adventure and I just love that. And that's been my, um, I, I went through the process again in 2003. And since then, um, I, I keep seeing how I can be in denial about relationships and when they're not working. This gives me that process to look at my part and, and make amends to that. And my relationships have gotten incredibly better. It's, ama- it's amazing. And um, I'll go into that after. But what I also appreciate um, in the, those directions in both the big book and in the um, AA 12 and 12, um, page 79 of the AA 12 and 12, it starts, um, let's see, we should, um, 79, we should nevertheless make an accurate and really exhaustive survey of our past life as it has affected other people. And that's what I did. I really went back to see if, if someone was walking across the street, would I run across and embrace them or would I turn the other way and run? And that's how I came up with um, my list. Um, and these were, um, and what I found in um, in doing this, when it says, um, in, let's see, um, it also says, in many instances, we shall find, this is at the bottom of 79, 
that though the harm done others has not been great, the emotional harm we have done ourselves has very deep, sometimes quite forgotten, damaging emotional conflicts persist below the level of consciousness. And that's what I found. Um, I had done, you know, kind of a quick, um, some quick inventories, but this um, last one um, in 2003 was just really looking at um, where I felt disharmony in my relationships and went below the surface. And these steps allowed me to see where my thinking was off, my perception, lies I was telling myself I didn't know I was. And it's just these steps did that process in God. I didn't figure this out. It wasn't in my own head, but just going through um, the steps and those questions and then uh, looking and praying, a lot of prayer and a lot of consulting with my sponsor. Um, and there were two in particular that, um, let's see, the, um, the other helpful thing on page 80 was the type of harm. To define the word harm in a practical way, we might call it a result of instincts in collision, which cause physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual damage to people. And these were questions that um, I would ask, like, was it a physical harm, mental, emotional, or spiritual? Did I get in their way of their higher power? And I found I did that a lot with trying to um, tell people what to do giving them advice, um, trying to fix things, um, especially with my husband and my sister. And I was getting in the way of their going to their higher power. Um, and that that's a really big harm that I wasn't aware of before that. And God really enlightened me to that with this work. Um, and then at the bottom of 81, starting with the last sentence, we shall want to hold ourselves to the course of admitting the things we have done, meanwhile, forgiving the wrongs done us, real or fancied. We should avoid extreme judgments, both of ourselves and of others involved. We must not exaggerate our defects or theirs. A quiet, objective view will be our steadfast aim. And what I appreciate about this direction is that I'm not here to um, take their inventory at all. Um, and also, I'm not here to judge myself. I'm not in judgment of, I'm just here. This is what I did. This is the harm I did, whether it was physical, spiritual, emotional, mental. And um, I'm here to make restitution for that, to admit it and to bring it out and also to ask them, did I do anything else? Because I can be in denial about my behavior. Um, I'm the first to say that. And that it's not about beating up on myself um, either or being in remorse. Um, and this is where it's such a freedom. It's just, it's so objective. It's, it's not um, taking um, this so personally that I'm the worst and, um, and then getting on, on myself because then I'm owing myself an amends. So, um, but I want to bring up one um, that these um, readings pertain to my, my brother, he, um, my older brother, we had, he, well, he's, um, he was an alcoholic and um, also had mental illness, which he, he never addressed and um, caused a lot of problems in my family and to my parents and, and was part 
it had an influence on my father's death um, and my other siblings were not um, talking to him. And um, through the years, every time I did a fourth step and then went, got to the eighth, um, I was convinced and I convinced my, my sponsors that it would cause me a lot of harm and my family if I made amends to him. So I wouldn't. And um, deep down, this, this was hurtful to me and um, it was hurtful to him. And so when I did this deep work through the big book, um, it was clear I, I owed him an amends by my behavior toward him. Yes, he did. Um, he was very hurtful. He, he harmed um, my brother and my, my sister and my fa- um, the other members of my family, even cousins and that sort of thing. But there was part, I had a part in our relationship breakdown and I was very afraid. He, he had um, an explosive um, temper um, and I, I was very afraid to do it. So I did a lot of prayer um, to be willing and, um, and my sponsor did, did um, support me that, um, you know, maybe I'll put it on the list of not willing right now. And I just kept praying every day. I prayed for him. I prayed the sick man's prayer, which I talked about before. I prayed for um, the best for him. And, and it turned out God brought in um, the timing um, of it. And I, um, it just, I was praying. It was an opportunity that we were uh, together, um, which didn't happen very often. And I, I had, the spirit came through me. I, I can't, um, I can't describe it any other way. That with this courage and um, and honesty and this love for him, I, 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 I could never muster it up myself. And I owned my part. I, I gave specifics how I harmed him. I, um, and I also, I, I complimented him on what he had done for my mother because in my mother's case, um, she was um, getting older and she couldn't live um, in her home alone. And, and he went and lived with her um, and took care of things, not exactly how we would want it, but it was, it was fine. It was really fine. It was, he, he in his way showed love to my mother. And I, I, um, I acknowledged that I complimented and he just looked at me like he didn't know what happened, but, um, he didn't say anything, but from then on the next, um, four years, there was, um, there was peace, um, civility. I could go and, and visit, with um without without any fear that was totally lifted we had wonderful um conversations he had done a lot of traveling when he was younger he was sharing stories and um unfortunately uh 4 years ago he um he died and um and I was able to give him um a really um touching and heartfelt uh funeral um and I had such peace um, letting him go. So I had no idea this was going to be a result, and um, and it was just a just such a gift. So um, other things that have been really helpful in step nine, um, page eighty four. Someone had talked about it before about good judgment. 
um, will suggest we ought to take time while we may be quite willing, <clears throat> um, willing at you know right away to do something. Uh, and this is in um, step step nine. Right, willing to reveal the very worst, we must be sure to remember we cannot buy our own peace of mind at the expense of others. Because um, I found that after my um, the situation with my brother, I was just on fire, and I, I thought, okay, I'm going to go. And I had um, difficulties with my other brother, who's mentally ill, and my sister. But that took time, and a lot of that was me showing up, doing the next right thing, and being loving, um, and um, and I was the the frankness I like on page eighty five. It says um, at the bottom, the third full paragraph. Um, it's safe to talk in complete frankness with those who have been seriously affected, even those who may be only a little or not at all aware of what we have done to them. The only exceptions we will make will be cases where our disclosure would cause actual harm. So, it's, so, wow, I think my time is up and there's so much more I wanted to say, but the biggest thing is just that um, I bring God in, into this and I consult with my sponsor and others. Um, and there's prayers in these, um, in these pages that I have depended on and it's just to really um i'm doing god's work now and god will god will protect me with that work um he if i am going with um that they talk about in the big book about you know the willingness and um and then in the aa 12 and 12 above all um on page 87 <clears throat> Above all, we should try to be absolutely sure that we are not delaying because we are afraid. For the readiness to take the full consequences of our past acts and to take responsibility for the well-being of others at the same time is the very spirit of step nine. So it's that balance of taking the consequences and always keeping the other person's well-being in mind. And that is so different from before program it was all about me getting what I want, getting, being comfortable. This isn't a comfortable um, step, but it's one that I needed to go to God and it strengthened and deepened my relationship with God, which I'm just so grateful for. And it was one day at a time, one amend at a time. I did have um, cards. I had um, directions. And if anyone wants, I do have them typed up on directions that I give to my sponsees. <clears throat> about the list, about um, the amends on the, the card, about making the appointment, about the meeting, um, and then like a summary on the direct amends that have been helpful um, that I got from uh, my sponsor and I passed that forward. So um, grateful to be here and um, with that I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Elaine, Melanie, Nancy, and of course, Judy, for sharing your powerful testimony and personal experience with the amends process this morning. 
Our panelists' contact information will be given at the conclusion of this recording. We are now going to transition to questions. If you have a question for one of our panelists, you'll need to press star 1 to unmute and identify yourself, please. Yes. Hello? This is Katie G. from Boston. Katie G., I didn't catch the gentleman's name. Hi, this is Matt M. Matt M. Martha S. Sylvia L. Sylvia L. Rivka A. And Rivka A. Let's go with that group at this time. Katie G., you're up. Good morning, guys. Katie G, Recovered Anorexic Bulimic Compulsive Overeater, and thank you all. What a what a privilege to hear all of your honesty today. My question is, I was hoping that any of you could speak um, directly about making amends, living amends, um, in with regards to your sex relations, whether they be current partners. Um, I know the book, book gives us specific instructions um, about that, but just wanted to know areas that you have found helpful um, with um, with sex relations amends. And thanks. Now about sex, which panelists would like to respond? Uh, oh, go ahead. I no, hear Judy F. Go ahead, Anna Lane. Nancy, I'll respond. Go ahead, oh. Nancy. Okay. Nancy, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Hi, Nancy. I'm a grateful recovery compulsive reader. Uh, I think sexual issues are just like any other. Um, I'm living amends is that I don't repeat the any uh, destructful behavior in the past. Anything that I did that was wrong in regard to sex or any other. Um, defective character. Um, I ask God to remove it, and I practice. I practice the uh, healthy, healthy behavior in all areas of my life. So, uh, sex is is included in that. Uh, things that uh, behaviors that um, were harmful to other people. I wouldn't. I, I can't do that. I can't do that anymore. Uh, I can't be dishonest. I can't do things that will hurt anybody in any area of my life. So that includes um, sexual behavior. That's all I can. Add. That's all I can say. May I comment, Lisa? Please, please go ahead, Elaine. Thank you so much. Thanks for your question, Katie G. It is an important factor, and. I don't know that this will relate to your current experience, but mine was that when I first came into the rooms and saw and made amends to people we'd harm, um, I was kind of excited because there was a list of uh, wrecked relationships in the past that I was curious about how those guys were doing. And I was really looking forward to having an excuse and a good reason. I mean, I did owe amends um, to them, but... Uh, I, I was looking, it was selfish. I wanted to see how they were doing. I wanted to get in touch. And, you know, it was without disregard to their current marital, marital status, um, to their their spouses, their children. And, um, you know, 
it would have caused harm to dread and and a lot of this stuff was really long ago history um and so uh it would have caused harm to them um it would have potentially caused harm to their uh, significant others and so uh, when I was working with my sponsor and consulted with some other people, we really felt it was best just to let uh, those really, really past things be past. But in my current relationship, what I needed to do is go deeper with my sex ideal in terms of how it related to my husband. And I actually wrote out uh, a sex ideal, which has um, continued to be uh changed and and modified and updated a little bit since I did that, but it really talked about how am I going to think, who am I going to (laughs) think, where are my affections going to lie, are there things that block my intimacy with God, I mean with my husband, Um, uh, you know, even thinking about, oh, how much I appreciate how that man is with his wife. You know, uh, those are the type of things that I really needed to um, admit and I need to actively work against doing. And, um, And as I do that, as I continue to do that, and as I continue to pray that, uh, that nine-step prayer that I shared earlier from paragraph one and paragraph three it was kind of rewritten from from the first paragraph on each of those pages of 82 and 83, um, that those things have really helped me um, to put keeping my spouse's happiness uppermost in my mind, to realize that this is a lot less about me getting from him what I want and need than me trying to be... Um, uh, try to seek what he, how I can be of service to him. And um, and so I hope this helps. If you have recent um, relationships, that there's some, some damage that, you know, you've talked to some people and, and it does seem right to go out and make amends. Um, uh, just be sure it doesn't cause harm to your husband and he understands what you're doing and why and that you really just uh, get some clear counsel from God and your sponsor and uh, and others in the rooms. And thanks for being there doing this work, Katie. I pass. Thank you, Elaine. Judy F., did you want to respond briefly as well? Judy F., Star one to unmute. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought it was unmuted. Um, yeah, just briefly, um, the same um, as Elaine had said about ex-boyfriends, I was told not to go back there. Um, it would cause more harm. And then I found when I did the deeper work in the big book uh, with my husband, I was really, I saw clearly my attitude um, around our um, sexual intimacy I needed an overhauling there, and God, through um, the sex ideal, and even having conversation with him, um, really um, with the amends on my part in that, and then now living amends, that it's a very, I always put it, it was more important to him than me, and it isn't, it's just as important, 
um, and it's part of our relationship and it's an important part. And so I make time for that and I, I give it enthusiasm and, and love um, and it grows every, it gets better every day. And if you want to call me um, for more, um, please do. I'm, I'm always open to talk about that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Katie G., thanks for the question. Matt M., your turn. Star one Hi. to un- Yes. Have you heard? Hi, everyone. Thank you, Jaya, for your service. Hi, this is Matt M. Uh, I have a question, like, for the panelists. What do you do about amends for people who have passed away? I want to know how you guys go about that. Thank you. Good question. Panelists? uh, This is Nancy Ira. Please go ahead. Yeah, uh, thank you, Matt, for uh, that question. Um, One, you know, you can have a conversation with that person uh, and explain to them. Some people will go to cemeteries and, uh, and talk to the person. I've never done that. But um, you can write a letter. You can write a letter to that person, and uh, ex- ex- you know, expressing your uh, your men's background. Uh, those are for, uh, or, or you can discuss it. You know, discuss it with someone. Um, if if it's something that affected other people. Um, you can make a public declaration like the uh, example in the big book, even though the person is uh, deceased, if his reputation, if you did something to harm the person's reputation, you could stand uh, in front of that group and publicly acknowledge it because it's not for the other person. We have to remember the amends process is for you to clean up your side of the street. So those are the suggestions I have to offer. Thank you, Nancy R. Anyone else before moving on? Hi, this is Melanie. Yes, Melanie, just, thank you. Hi, thank you. It would just punctuate what Nancy R. had just said. My personal experience is that um, there was a person that I owed an amends to. It wasn't a family member, but somebody I had done harm to. I actually owed this person money and and um, had the opportunity to go publicly to a place where he frequented to make sure that that um, that folks knew what a wonderful person that he was. And I was able to do that publicly, you know, and, and do the things that I needed to do. And as Nancy was saying, it was the, the um, amends process was for me to know who and what I had become and what I was doing. It wasn't going to be something that was going to reconcile the relationship. And, and the beauty of it is that as it turned out is that person – um, in this particular case, wasn't someone I could look in the eye, but I could see, absolutely see who and what he was from the experience of just being public around. And and so I think more more important, as Judy was mentioning too, as the big book says, it, it's that there's a higher power out there that's running this particular show. I show up and stood up to the best of my ability to the most difficult situations, one of which is somebody being deceased, and find what God has intended to happen to me for this person on behalf of the situation. That's the miracle of it, not the the limited way in which I think might need to be done or what could be happening. With that, I pass. Thank you. 
Thank you, Matt, for the question. Martha S., your Hi. turn. Hi, this is Martha S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Upstate New York. Thank you, Leah, for your service and all the speakers. I have a question particularly for Melanie and Nancy because they both, I believe they both talked about um, traveling to make amends and the passage on page 83 about um, some people cannot be seen when you send them an honest letter. As a sponsor, I don't think I've uh, recommended to anyone based on the big book, my interpretation of the big book, that they make a special trip to make amends. And now I'm wondering if if it would be more helpful to the people I work with if I do that. For example, if they live in California and most of their amends are in New York City because they used to live there, um, my interpretation is then if they if they can if they can get there and make the amends face to face, that's preferable. But if they can't, then a letter is ne- a heartfelt letter is second best. Now I'm I'm wondering if you could uh, maybe talk a little bit more about this um, this uh, interpretation of that paragraph on page 83 that starts that there may be some wrongs we can never fully write, um, and and the idea of, of perhaps having to uh, at, having a sponsor may may have a significant impact to their work and their business and their income, and they may not have the money to travel to make amends face to face. If you have any thoughts on that, I'd appreciate it. Thank you again. Hi, this is Melanie. Melanie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hi, thank you. I'll jump in for that one. Um, the that when you said interpretation, that's certainly certainly the case, and I can speak to you from my experience. And and um, this is left up to our higher power, I suppose, um, because there is some things that you're talking about, I think, that, that would make some sense because I've had experience on both sides. So you talked about the case where somebody is in New York and and the other person might be in California. And the way that was worked out for me and is that um, um, an initial effort was made, you know, was I going to be going there? Is there, you know, is there some way in which there is funds to be had to be able to do that sort of thing? Because I had to, this had to be something really deep. It had to be such a strong willingness. It, it wasn't, gosh, I, I had made money and set aside to go to Disneyland or Disney World down in Florida this year, so I'm not going to take that money and put it towards um, going to California. I had to take a look at those kinds of preferences, and I had to see what, where and what I was um, thinking about in, in those cases, in um, in a specific situation where um, we were talking about just this very thing, um, I was go- there was going to be a time soon in a few months that there was going to be a possibility of coming together, and it wasn't etched in stone. I wasn't real sure, but in the initial um, not a letter was written, but a phone call was made. And um, the amends made over the phone with the express effort to see face to face when the time came, and that was going to be still on um, on the on the on the list until it was done. The other one is that years ago I had written a letter to somebody that was very significant, and and, um, and uh, years years later. Um, in a situation where the person was still upset with me, said that you didn't put any more effort than just to write me a letter after all this harm that you did to me. And that was true. I did tremendous, horrible harm for years. 
and that's the best that you could do, this person said. And that really struck me. And the willingness to go to any length that came about was saving money then at that particular point to go um, over time. It wasn't going to be done. It was maybe not going to be done right away. But the, the affect, the reason for it was so profound. I'm here to set the record rate, right, to, to, mend, to mend relationships. And, and I can tell you that nothing worked but face-to-face and eye-to-eye in certain situations. But I had to check real good motives, and I checked that out with other people. What is my motive here? Why am I not willing to put money aside when I was willing to do this, this, and this for other occasions and other things? This is my life that's at stake here. And so with that, I came, and with the help of my sponsor, you know, came up with some plans. So with that, I passed. Thanks, Melanie. Nancy R., did you want to respond as well? No. No, I think she did a wonderful job. Indeed. Okay. Well, thank you, Martha, for the question. Sylvia L.? Hi, this is Sylvia. Thank you for letting me ask my question. Um, I just want to say something to Judy. She was talking about her brother and the harm that he had caused um, their family. Um, I have a brother also that's a drug addict, and uh, he caused a lot of harm to my family. And um, actually, I've been in Al-Anon for nine years, and he was already recovered, and I was still going with Cuckoo. So um, I made amends to him. And uh, we've been on really good terms lately. Not buddy-buddy, but better terms. But I want to let him know I was so happy to hear her share that because it, it hit home with me. And I want to thank you very much. That's all I have to say. Thank you. Thank you, Sylvia. Rifka A., did you have a question? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh, thank you so very much. Thank you for your service, and uh, thank you, panel, each one of you. Uh, I do have a question, uh, Rivka A. from Israel, and um, it's regarding, uh, I, I used to work with some women back in the U.S. when I lived there. Um, they'd come off the streets, and um, they were totally involved with uh, prostitution, Um and the treatment center they were at, uh, I would go there and visit and help do the big book. But the point is, is that when it came to the amends, um, this treatment center was not that far away from where they were working on the street. And some of the people that they were involved with, especially um, the pimps, they were, um, they were still on the street, these people. And uh, so these people were on her list. So my point is, is uh, is it being in harm's way at this point, going to make amends, especially if some of these gals might have uh, kept some money back or whatever. So um, just to make it quick, um, you know, what, what's your take on it? any one of you there? Thank you so much. Panelists, anyone like to respond? Please go ahead. Um, Hi, Rivka. That's admirable service that you have done. Um, And thank you for that. So I guess in my consideration, this might be similar to the person if he was... um, 
put in jail? Can he be of help to anybody? Um, just having some exposure or knowledge of the industry and the profit margin for um, for pimps that it is valuable for them to regain a future, I mean, a, a previous worker. And so I really do believe that if they're moving into a geographical area where they could be recognized and um, and kind of uh, brought back in uh, and perhaps re-addicted, um, that their their life would be in danger. Um, however, again, we must follow the dictates of a higher power. And if they're uh, feeling directed through their sponsor and the wise counsel of others that also really know this environment, um, perhaps there may be uh, circumstances and ways that they're able to make an amends that would be safe, whether it means to uh, create a, a place of contact that's outside of the area, that a person can meet them outside of that area, that they could meet with somebody else that is kind of their guard and, and their protector, um, and that uh, that they just have really healthy safety precautions um, set um, set in place in order to do that. So um, we don't want to be ignorant and we don't want to put ourselves or others in harm's way. Um, and uh, yet we still, you know, we don't want uh, fear to stand in the way of what we're doing. And so those are some considerations. With that, I pass. Thank you, Riska A, for the question. Who else? I like it, Carmella. Oh, Nancy, or you wanted to respond? Go ahead, please. Carmella? Yes, please. Okay, one minute, Carmella. Let's just get a response from Nancy R. on the previous question. We'll get back to you. One moment. Nancy R., go ahead. Yeah, um, Nancy R. On page 79 of the big book, it says, Therefore, we are not to be the hasty and foolish martyr who would needlessly sacrifice others to save himself uh, from the alcoholic pit. And uh, I think that uh, applies to ourselves also. We don't want to be martyrs. Uh, those ladies uh, have, uh, have been involved in a very dangerous profession, illegal and dangerous. And uh, if they are trying to uh, heal and get better, is probably in their best interest to stay as far away from uh, that environment and those people, uh, and ask God, you know, ask their high power to show them how how they can make amends for any harms that are done. But their personal, you know, anything that involves your personal safety, um, uh, pimps are notorious for beating and even killing the women that work for them. And so it says not to be hasty or be a foolish martyr. And I think this really would apply in that situation. Um, the best amends might might be for them. I don't know. This is just my opinion. Living amends, to live their lives differently. That what a what a tall order for someone who's been involved in prostitution to begin to live your life in a different way. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you very so much, Nancy R., and thanks, Riska A. Okay, the next grouping of questions. Carmela, you are on the list. Who else has a question? Mary Lee. Is that Mary Lee? 
No, Carol Lee. Carol Lee, okay. And who else? Shoshana K. Shoshana K. Lindsay. Carol G. And Carol G. June S. And June S. Okay, that'll be the final grouping. Thank you. Carmela, go ahead with your question, please. Hi, thank you so much for this meeting and your service. Very grateful. I, I just have a question. I'm working on step four. I've done it in the past, but I'm redoing it now. Because in the past, I, was, I didn't know too much about the program. So when I did it, I did it about everybody hurting me. But now I need to do about me. What was my reaction and everything? I have uh, some of my siblings, they're out of state. Um, we talk to them, but it's a very, I keep it a very superficial conversation with them. I love them. I, but they were always the type to never wanted to face any confrontation of anything wrong they did. So I did wrong because I withdrew from them because I don't want to get hurt anymore. So my relationship with them we made amends when my mom passed away, but all those things, they still under the rug. They were never faced because if I were to pick up the phone and say to them, you know, uh, that I would like to make amends, or then it will bring up things that they did to me too. And they, they're still drinking. They, they, they will... Carmela, yes, Carmela. In interest of time, if you could just pose a question, please. Okay, my, my Thank you so much. Is, what, do, what do I do with them? I have a, a relationship, but I keep it very shallow. Okay. And, and for me, that it's more peaceful that way. So I, I don't know what to do. I, in this I think the picture has been painted quite well. Any panelists like to respond to Carmela's situation? Melanie C. <laughs> Please go ahead, Melanie. I thought I'd pause enough if somebody else wanted to mention. Um, what, what I'm hearing you say is that um, is that there's some difficult things going on here. And what I was taught in this situation is that I had, first and foremost, had to be ready to make the amends. Or I had to, My heart had to be open. I had to be loving and tolerant and kind. All those things need to be in place first before an amends could be made because in any other situation, something was going to block me from the full, full glory of my higher power. And I have had situations like that. So prayer needed to be done, and, and it was a couple of weeks, maybe three or four weeks, before I could get that of constant prayer daily, of being being ready for my heart to be right, because I did the work, did the work to unblock what I had going on there. And I was never to judge somebody else. I was never to be um, looking at what they were doing at all. If I did, then I was clearly not finished with my resentments. And so I worked them until they were completely handed and surrendered over to God. And then from that point forward, um, there are places that I, I, in this place in my life, um, I monitor the amount of time that I'm with particular people. 
um, they, they may not have a lifestyle that, that I feel is safe or, or somewhere where I, where I want to go, but there's not that, that block between the two anymore. I can't change them. That's not my job. That's not what I'm there to do. And through the process of the ninth step and the fourth step, there has been a reordering my, of my thinking and my mind so that I no longer feel that way anymore. That's the gift of, that, of the step process is that there's a true transformation in me that the things that you're mentioning that I also experienced are no longer there. They don't exist. God has actually removed it, and I'm able to stay on my side of the street. And there's situations where there was really tough to stay on my side of the street and I wrapped my arms around that street and I put my foot up against the curb and stayed on my side of the street. Hopefully that's helpful. Pass. Thank you so much, Melanie, and yeah. thank you, Carmela. Yes? I can this is Judy. I can just say a couple of um, Super, go ahead. Work. Okay. Thank you. Um what I really needed to work uh work on is not getting into the outcome and remembering that this is about my recovery and about me and God, and I didn't want anything in the way of God and any ill feeling and any part that I had not um, owned up with relationships. So I just kept, you know, what was my side? I needed to clean up my side, my behavior, own it, um, make amends for it, and really stay out of their business and the outcome and um, and go with God and timing was also really important. Um, and of course, with our sponsor. Um, so there's no fast rule, but um, I had to keep those principles in mind on why I was doing this. Thank you. And I pass. Thank you, Carmela, for the question. Thank you. Carol Lee, it's your turn. Carol Lee, star one to unmute. I'm sorry, I was muted. Thank you for this meeting. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I wasn't muted. Um, I just have a question for any of the panelists if they um, would have some helpful inform, you know, ideas. Um, I have a four-step, and it's, um, it's actually my daughter. Um, and I don't, she lives in another state. And I have wrote an amends letter, but um, I have not seen her. It will be uh, almost five years, the last time I saw her. And she has no contact with me. I have no way, I don't know where she lives, I have no way of getting a hold of her in another state. And um, it's really on my heart. I've read, I've um, prayed and um, it, uh, wrote this amends letter in case I ever do get to see her face-to-face. I want to, I'm willing, but she's... Um, at this time, I don't have any relationship with her. Can anyone give me any uh, feedback? Thank you. Yes, Melanie C. can. Please go go ahead, Mel. I jump in here because I have had many such situations. Many years I haven't spoken with people, people that are my very, very close, close blood. <clears throat> Pardon me. And I hear you say that you haven't seen her in five years. You don't know how to get a hold of her and that sort of thing. I'm doing this amends. Um, for that five years of hardened, calcified heart, that which I had to protect myself from, that which I was angry about, the years, years of hatred and revenge that would, had built up, even in my brokenheartedness, I had, to, I had to be willing to sift through this because this is for me. 
this is for me. I do not want to harm that other person if they don't want to see me. I don't want to do that. But this is for me. My life is on the line here. And so the idea about going about this is that there's a lot of research to be done. And, and it, this day and age, there's so many opportunities to be able to track somebody down that there wasn't before. I mentioned social media. I mentioned friends about friends about friends, giving a general idea of what's in the town, um, looking at telephone books, and, and there's ways in which I can hunt somebody down on the Internet and pay 99 cents to get their t- current telephone numbers and addresses. And then I d- do the courteous thing by making the phone call and saying, this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing. This is what's going to be um, first and foremost on my heart and my mind. Would you please allow me just a moment of your time? Because I never want to be this way. I never want to do this again, if you would. And, of course, if they say, no, I don't have any other recourse. But I go to any length to be able to find permission to be before somebody that I have harmed horribly, horribly, horribly. And um, I've been uh, set money aside for some time in order to get a plane ticket to go. It was that important to my soul. I am a sick person. I am here. I am here to be reborn. With that, I pass. Thank you, Mel. Anyone else? Hi, this is Nancy. I'd like to respond to that. Sure. Yeah, on page 77, it says, uh, the big book, it is seldom wise to approach an individual who still smarts from our injustice to him. Uh, if the person is not willing to uh, to listen to you, um, there's nothing you can do. I can share a personal experience I had uh, with the, with the relatives who let it be known she wanted nothing to do with me. And so what I did, I got down on my knees and I prayed. She was my only niece, the only a very small family. And I asked my higher power to help rectify the situation. There was nothing I could do. She didn't want to even talk to me. And it was years later. You know, I let it go. I couldn't force her. I let it go. And one day, phone rang, and uh, it was her on the phone. I mean, but it was years later, uh, and... um, she is the type of person who will never acknowledge anything that she's done wrong, but I, I made amends to her as best I could. Uh, I have a program. She doesn't. And uh, today our relationship is restored. So uh, I'd just like to share that with you. I asked my higher power to show me what to do. And it was to leave her alone, pray for her. And uh, for me, things did work out. But it took years. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Carol Lee. Shoshana Kay, it's your turn. It's our one-time mute. Shoshana Kay, star one to unmute. Hi, good morning. Am I unmuted? Yes. Thank you so much. Thanks for this great special edition, everybody. Great to be here on the line with you all. Um, This is a question for Nancy R. and anyone else who would like to comment. Um, I thought you had mentioned something about making an amends to yourself. Um, If you could please elaborate on that, I would love to hear more about it. Thank you so much. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, thank you. I know this is what I said. I said, um, let me clarify that. I said um, some people say that they make amends to themselves, and I said that neither the big book nor the steps themselves ever talk about a making to uh, making amends to ourselves. I've heard this said uh, in OA meetings a lot of times. Um, the first person on my amends list was myself. But as I, you know, it's not in the big book or uh, 12 and 12. The only amends we make to ourselves is to have our higher power remove those defects of character that stand in the way of our usefulness. Uh, that's a big, it's a huge one. But that's the amend I'm, to myself, is changing my behavior, strengthening, you know, making sure my relationship with my higher power uh, is right. But if you look at the big book approach, it tells us to focus on others rather than ourselves. And um, that way you'll see how this concept of an amend to myself is consistent with what uh, we've discussed today. You know, this program is teaching me to be honest and um, to be of maximum service to God. So that's what I I actually uh, meant. If it didn't come across the way, I apologize. Um, thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Shauna Kay. Lindsay, it's your turn. Good morning. Um, thank you, panel. I am so grateful for tuning in this morning. I, I, I think maybe my question has been answered, um, and so, um, but I, I, I'm going to mention it anyway. When I've done the amends in the past, a lot of my amends are about um, just sort of not being available emotionally or not showing up or having, you know, really being mean-spirited, mean-spirited thoughts and, and the times I have gone to my children. But like, what are you talking about? You're the most amazing mother. You have nothing to apologize for. And uh, now I'm doing the full step again. And I'm wondering if you have experiences with that, whether you still feel like, you have to make amends, or should I just let it go and concentrate on uh, living amends? And also, there are people in my life too that I haven't done any direct harm, but just my thinking and maybe a character assassination, maybe some gossiping here and there. How have you handled that? I don't know if that question makes sense. I think that's quite clear. Elaine B. Go ahead, Elaine. Thank you. Thank you, Lindsay. That's a great question. Um, this is the nature of a good deal of my amends that, um, you know, it says offenses perceived are real, and a lot of it is just my perception. <laughs> you wronged me. You're in competition with me, and I realize that I wrong, I'm wronging you. I'm in competition with you. I'm judging you. And the nature of my thinking has been really diseased and it would cause me dis-ease, and it would cause me dis-ease with you, and it would be a big block and a, a big bunk of, bunch of wreckage between me and you because you're not lining up with my script. You're not being what I want you to be. You're not being how I want you to be, reacting how I want you to react. And, you know, it was just, I had no idea how much space that was taking up in my mind and in every relationship that I had. And, you know, it would cause me to retreat to isolation in the food over and over and over and over again. And so, um, again, this is where I need to, as I, as I 
you know, worked on my four step and I really deeply looked with God's help and my sponsor's help at how I am being selfish, self seeking, dishonest, afraid, inconsiderate, all the manifestations of that from people pleasing to judging to gossiping to character assassinating, anything that was between my ears. And if the person doesn't know, if I'm nodding at them smiling while I'm, you know, really judging and criticizing them in my head, will it do them any help at all for me to go to them and say, I really thought you were such and such and so and so? You know, it probably wouldn't. It probably would not be helpful for them at all. It might cause them harm. But what I found was that this didn't show up once. It showed up again and again and again and again and again and again. That common denominator was me. And so this was an area that I really needed to change. Of course, you know, a lot of our character defects are 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 taught and caught. And so, um, you know, I come from a family of origin where gossip, character assassination, and throwing people away, throwing people away, Um, are really high on the list of coping mechanisms of way of dealing with life. And when I needed to um, stop engaging in that behavior, both gossiping about and listening to gossip about others, character assassinating and listening to character assassination of others, it was really difficult and it changed the dynamics of a lot of my relationships um, and I needed to find other ways to relate to people. And it's had an impact. And in some of them, I have a lot less contact with family members. But other ones, the contact that I have is a lot more peaceful, a lot more joyful, a lot more true. And um, even though sometimes uh, they may need to uh, vent about something that's going on with them, if it goes on too far, it just you know, um, have found loving and gracious ways to, um, to, to turn that aside. But where I've gossiped um, to others, I, and unless the other person knows, I think it would be harmful for them if they knew I gossiped about them. But I did go and make amends to people that I had common go-to people that I would gossip and character assassinate people with. And I did make amends to them. And um, I I told them I'm really trying to stop this behavior. It was not easy to do. In fact, it's still something I need to look out for. Um, There's just absolutely no benefit to it at all. And so so I don't know if that helps, um, but really working that uh, 12 and 12, practice, 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 practice the opposite and um, pray, continue to pray. I have the prayer that um, God will get everything I want to the person that I resent. Um, I keep that in my 11-step meditation every single day. And if there's anybody I'm feeling things for, I pray for them. I have a long list of 11-step, of nine-step people that I continue to pray for on my list, family members and, and friends and program people and sponsors. And that's all part of my work. And I'm always asking God, please help show me the right attitude towards these people. Um, and I uh, hope that's helpful. Thanks for that. I passed. Thank you so much for that thorough response. Lindsay, thanks for the question. Carol G., 
Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision View. It's Carol G. Can I be heard? Yes. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, super. Thank you. Um, I really, really thoroughly enjoyed this meeting. It's been fabulous. You know, what I heard this morning was I act out of who I've become. That was just awesome. Um, my question is something that I get asked um, an awful lot about. Um, for those people who are not approaching amends in fear, but actually they're brimming over with so much joy and exuberance um, that they can't restrain themselves when it comes to amends. So if anybody has any more details or guidance about how people have laid themselves open because they can't contain this newly found joy for God and ended up, I think it's on page 77, branded a religious bore or a fanatic or something like that. Anything like that would be fantastic. Thank you. And the experience with fanaticism, panelists? I, I just like to say, this is Nancy R. again. I would just like to say that's the um, the value of working with a sponsor uh, before doing the amends. Uh, the first time I did it, I went off on my own, and I did a lot of crazy things. But, but working with a sponsor and discussing who you're going to make amends to and why, I think that sort of uh, keeps you in the category of doing it the way it's outlined in the big book. Every situation is different, everybody is different, but we have the same directions, and it tells us exactly what we're supposed to do uh, in these pages. Uh, I think that um, if it's done that way, um, that should put it, um, you know, that will direct us, you know. That's, these are our clear, they're clear-cut directions on how to do it. And if someone is exuberant about it, my hat's off to them. I was uh, full of fear, but I was willing. I was willing to go to any length. That's all I have to say. Thank you very much, Carol G., for the question. And our final question comes from June S. Hi, this is June. Thank you for everyone. I appreciate the time. If there is still time, my question is for Melanie. Um, hello? Hello? Yes, sure. Please okay, go sorry. ahead. Mm-hmm. One of the most difficult aspects of amends, um, and I haven't got to that point yet, is the potential for psychological harm to another person or persons in some cases, or even myself in making amends, you know, opening wounds that have been and perhaps should not be opened. And so that's my question. Thank you. Hi, thanks, June. That is a very, very sensitive subject matter, and it hit me to the core just listening to you say that because there are very definitely situations where um, there's some pathological things going on for for people and, and for me, and and I have a tendency to to um, hit things pretty hard and... and um, and plow through them, so I want to be especially sensitive. So when I heard your voice and heard your your words coming from you this morning, I have to say there is absolutely requirements for being very cautious in any one situation, whether or not the other person has has difficulty in, in bringing up things from the past. Somebody mentioned that today. We don't want to harm them. We don't want to, to do anything that's going to, to um, be 
adding to the offense and that um, that they're not ready to see us or that sort of thing. I am not a professional in any way, shape, or form. I think that that what I went through when I was saying that if I might be triggered, you know, or I might be harmed again or whatever, I needed to move through that. I needed to trust a higher power to make sure that was the case. I was not at all saying anything about something deeper than that that truly is a is a psychological medical concern that people would want to work with outside issues to, in order to address. Um, in my in my case, um, I had lots of trauma that was done to me, and I mentioned one particular person that happened to be um, deeply in the sickness of pedophilia. I was scared to death, and I did a tremendous amount of work on that, but I knew that I needed to be freed, freed from that situation. I knew that I was safe. I worked with a professional um, and my sponsor around the work that I did before I went and um, as it turned out, in that particular case, in my case, um, I was freed. I was absolutely freed from that bondage that had held me for so many years, and it worked. Each one is an individual case, and it is not to be entered into lightly. And, um, and you know, this is a, truly a, a broader conversation, I mean, a, a more specific and broader conversation for something that uh, requires a lot of effort. Thanks. I'll pass. Thank, Thank you. you, Melody. Thanks, June S., for the question. Thank you for all the questions this morning. And, of course, thank you to our panelists for this very rich and instructive presentation on the amends process. Thank you for sharing your personal experience with all of us this morning. The share ID for today's presentation, 9739. We'll close from page 164. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.